Hello, welcome to the Raw Podcast. I'm your host, James Copley, and I'm joined today by Simon Ramsden, ex-Sunderland player. How are you doing, mate? Very well, thank you. Yourself? Aye, not too bad. Pleased that the uh, transfer window's over and we can concentrate on the uh, on the football, to be honest with you. That's it, mate. And it's, I mean, it's a shame we didn't get um, a striker in, in hindsight, like, but... It is. It is. We'll touch on that a bit. Uh, we'll touch on that a bit later. I want to talk about your debut, Simon. Um, to be honest, I know you're a massive Sunderland fan like myself. Uh, Saturday, January twenty fourth, two thousand and four, which was the first season I actually started attending games um, right. as a kid. You came off the bench against Ipswich in the FA Cup. As a Sunderland fan, what is that like? It must be pretty surreal looking back on it now. Um, do you know what it is like? It's it's one of them. See if you. If you made a start, I suppose, you'd be very nervous. And the night before, I probably wouldn't have been able to sleep. And the build-up and letting your family know and tickets and yeah, all that, I suppose. But I really wasn't expecting to get on. Like I so said, I'd been on the bench a few times that season, um, travelling in the squads, maybe just missing out. And um, I think it was Daz Willie. Obviously, you're out warming up and stuff, but you just don't expect to get on. As a defender, you're not going to come on and change the game, are you? Or... You need an injury, really. So, um, fortunately or unfortunately for Darren Williams, I suppose, he picked up a niggle at the end of the match. Um, and I said, you're going on. So, I don't really have too much time to think about it. And I was only on for a few minutes. Um, so, I cannot really remember that much about it, to be honest. It just it just went quite quick. We were 2-0 up and we just seen the game out. But uh, it's what dreams are made of, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Did you did you realise stupid question for me really? But did you realise then, or did you think then that this this could be like my only appearance at Sunderland? I guess that wasn't in your head at the time, was it? It wasn't, no. Because like I say, that season Mick McCarthy was was spot on with me, and uh, I was training every day with the first team there or thereabouts, travelling to games, and I think with that being in, I think did you say January the match? So January twenty fourth, yeah. Yeah. So you're obviously thinking. Still a few months of the season left. I want a little bit more of this. But the problem is, as a young lad coming through, it's a bit different when the club were in League One the last few years. But it's so hard to get get a game or break through unless you're obviously next level and what have you. And I always just seem to have either one or two players ahead of me. So, unfortunately, I didn't get a, another opportunity. Were you pretty unlucky with injuries as well, Simon? Because you were you were you were flying at one point pretty close to breaking in. You were going on pre-season tours, and you, you just suffered a few setbacks, didn't you? Oh, I've had loads, mate. Honestly, it's been the story of my life. Uh, I don't know. Like I say, yeah, I think at Sunderland it was I had a few ankle problems, but moving on from there throughout my career, it's been one of them unfortunate things. I think. Um, one of my downfalls is I like to get stuck in. I suppose so. <laughs> you, you do end up picking up there. Uh, a few injuries along the way. I've had some strange ones, um, like a neck operation, two hips, knees, ankles, the lot. But um, yeah, that's a frustrating part of being a player. You just want to get out there every week, and when that's taken away from you, it's uh, it's devastating. That um, that team or squad that you were involved with that you made your debut, there was sort of Mark Poom, Williams, you mentioned Jason McAteer, Jeff Whitley, Julio Walker, Kevin Kyle. Who were the sort of the main characters that stand out for you in the, in the dressing room from that period? Um, I wouldn't say that uh, specific period. There was anybody that like majorly jumped out. We're just a team of... There's no stars. Julio Arco, obviously, was probably the the most high-profile or the most talented player. But there wasn't any like big-time Charlies. Everyone was just good lads. Um, 
put a shift in and, and and done really well. I think going back before that, when I was first around the first team and breakthrough, you had some massive characters like like your Quinesia Phillips, your Kevin Balls, your Mickey Grays. That was the that was the best era for me. It was it was amazing just being around. I suppose the players that I watched on the terraces, um, yeah. being alongside them. So I would I would look back on that era probably more fondly. And, and what was that era like? Obviously, you mentioned coming up under Peter Reid. He seems like a, a massive figure at Sunderland. You know, he was he was at the club for for so long. What are your early memories of him? Because he was he was quite the disciplinarian at points, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, my early memories are just I don't know. Everybody was just a bit fearful of him. I think like there was a, there was a lot of respect. I'm even talking like the first team lads, like yeah, yeah, yeah. That in football now, like younger lads, you don't, they're not really bothered about anything. Like, not saying that they haven't got respect, but like Peter Reid would walk through the first team change room, it'd go quiet. Mm. And I'm talking about lads that's played three, four hundred games, just because maybe a little bit in awe of him, or I don't know, he just had that uh, that aura about him where which commanded respect. So that was my first sort of memory when I think about him is probably thinking I'd, I really want to impress him but I also don't want to get on the wrong side of him as a young lad yeah yeah and he had Saxton as well alongside him who was who was just as colorful a character he was and like I say he he could lose it just as much as <laughs> reading but on the flip side of that Sacco was one of the ones that would come in and like have a laugh and do you know what I mean he, he they just worked perfectly together like mm. and said anytime good cop bad cop and they just had it off to a tee. They both had the most, uh, the utmost respect from all the players, and that's how obviously the club done so well around that period. Were there any points with Reedy with yourself or or any of the other players that you witnessed where you thought, oh, I might be in trouble or somebody else is in trouble here? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember he used to pop into the digs. Um, we all lived on the seafront uh, at Roker. There was like twenty of us or something. And to me, being a Sunderland fan, it was just, it was radio, like, it's not gaffer, mm. which is a little bit strange for me getting used to calling the players, like, whatever, when you're used to, like, singing the names on the terraces and that, aren't you? So, yeah, yeah absolutely. I, mem- I remember calling him Pete, uh, <laughs> the, uh, dig, which didn't go down too well, to be honest with you. Um, and for the first two or three months after that, I think the first team started nicknaming me Pete, just winding me up, because they were just, like, <laughs> in stitches about that, me calling him that as well. But I don't know, it was just like a nervous reaction. All the young lads were just didn't want to say anything. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's one of them, you live and you learn, don't you, as you get older. Football's changed a lot from from back then, though, as a as an apprentice or, or a young player. It's, it, it'll have been completely different for you. You'll have been cleaning boots and in the changing rooms and stuff to compare that to, to the path Dan Neal or an Anthony Patterson's taken. Now, they'll have had a very different upbringing to you. Yeah, and you know what? I wouldn't change it for the world because I don't know. It just it, it gives you a good grounding. Like I think when I left school, you think I'm not saying you think you're the bee's knees, but like to me, like a sign for someone. I thought this is amazing. Like, mm. all my have come true on top of the world, but you straight away get brought back down to earth. You're cleaning boots, cleaning toilets, doing all the jobs that people don't get to see. Um, it's not just the kicking a football about, which a lot of people presume it is. Um, and I think, I don't know, I don't think the young lads get that now. Do they even clean boots or, I don't know. Like I say, things things have changed. I don't think it's for the better, personally. I think um, 
there was a stepping stone of, I mean, we were on peanuts. I think my first YTS, I was on 40 odd pound a week, struggling to get by. And the aim was to progress, to get a professional contract, to then make the first team. If you got a win bonus, it was like the best thing ever. Whereas now I think a lot of the younger lads don't really appreciate that. They get money before they've even made it in the first team. And I just don't think the hunger's there like it was when we were young lads. What was the uh, the transition at the at the club like from from Peter Reid to obviously then Howard Wilkinson came and then you had Mick McCarthy three well I suppose Mick McCarthy and Peter Reid are, are quite similar quite straight talking but you had Wilkinson in between it's a bit of you know it was a tough period for the club the end of the Reedy years and then Wilkinson and then Mick coming in you had that bounce in the two thousand four season um, mm-hmm. but then there was the relegation from the Premier League as well. Yeah, um, I missed a little bit of it because I was out on loan for a season. So, Notts County. Yeah, when Peter Reid got sacked, I was actually on loan. So, I was I was there for pre-season. Obviously, Reedy was in charge. I went to Notts County for a full year. So, Howard Wilkinson came in and had been sacked before I'd even returned from Notts County. <laughs> so you didn't get a save at all. <laughs> so I never. Do you know what? I don't know. I don't really know the man, but. He never even rang me once to see how I was getting on at Notts County or as far as I'm aware, I don't even know if he sent anybody down to watch me. I don't know. Um, mm. But yeah, he he went before I got back. Mick McCarthy took over, I think it was like five or six games before the end of the season. Um, and then I was just back for, for pre-season training with Mick. So um, I couldn't speak highly enough of, of him. He was he was brilliant um, with everybody. doesn't matter whether you're the 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 top man in the first team or here in the youth team he was just says it how it is and yeah he's he's a manager that you'd want to work for did you was it Mick McCarthy who you left the club under yeah I mean again he was fair he got me in um I was there and thereabouts but I was mm-hmm. I'm guessing I must have been 22 then something like that and um he just said look Rammers like there's a contract I think I think he was going to say there's a contract here possibly for you but you need to be playing football. You're not going to get that here. So it w- it was a tough one because you never want to leave your boyhood club, the club I love. Um, but on the other flip of that, you've got to remember you've got a career. Like, to me, I don't think I even realised I had a career. It's like I won the lottery every day. So, <laughs> I, like, as much as I wanted to be playing in the first team, it was just it was just an amazing experience. Um, so, yeah, we had a conversation and then, it was decided, obviously, like I wouldn't be getting a contract, and I moved on, and that's how it goes in football, isn't it? And you, you still kept following Sunderland when you were when you were at other clubs. Uh, I hear some stories of you coming up to watch watch Newcastle um, in, in the in the Sunderland and at Newcastle games and stuff like that. It must have been a, a good buzz. Man, I've never missed a Sunderland Newcastle match in my career. One, I think I missed. Yeah, it always panned out either like on a Sunday. Um, so we generally had the day off. Uh, maybe get the odd red card here and there, or <laughs> so that was a, a, an intentional thing. That <laughs> might have been a few tactical uh, things to lead up to the derby days, but no, I didn't. I didn't miss many. I think I can only count one on Saturday. We got beat two 0 I think uh, Bellamy scored for them. Apart from that, never missed any. That was to me. That was it's my bread and butter. That's the most important yeah. thing to me alongside my career. Um, Oh, I was missing the mags matches. <laughs> uh, just back with your with your time at, at Sunderland. Um, talk about John Cook because he, he doesn't get talked about a lot. The, the former Sunderland kit man. Um, I was at his, his testimonial, which you which you played in. 
what was he like and what was his effect on, on Sunderland's squad and, and what did you make of, of Sunderland's handling of him? Obviously under under different owners now, but it, it didn't it didn't come across well from a fan's point of view, from anybody's point of view, I don't think. I think not just Cookie, but like the kit men and people like that behind the scenes at the clubs, I don't think people understand how important that is. Your day-to-day, like, He's in the change room with the lads constantly, do you know what I mean? Like having crack and looking after you. And as a young lad, he used to look after us all the time. Like yeah. sort you out with boots, sort you out with things. And um the players just had the utmost respect for him. Um now to me, obviously when he left, that's that's people who are out of touch with football and what what the club means to people, you know, when you make decisions like that. Um he's been at the club for over twenty years, ex player or and what have you? Um, so, yeah, I was I was really upset about uh, how he was treated, as were a lot of the ex players uh, when they found out the news. So, when I got the call to to play in that testimonial, that was a little bit out of the blue. I only found out about three days beforehand. Um, mm. I was over the moon just to, like I say, go along to support Cookie. But it was nice to go back and get the boots on and see some faces I've probably not seen for ten or twenty years, even. Me, um, my favourite part of that game was. Peter Reid managing on the side and then subbing himself on because he said that uh, he said that the, his team were lacking lacking bite in the midfield and he was actually quite good. I know he's an ex-England international, but he is sixty-five and he was he was very decent. Do you know what? You ne- you never lose that passion. Doesn't matter how old you are. It's like I'm in my forties now and you you still have it. Do you know what I mean? Like I think you, you miss. I don't miss some of the things about being a footballer, um, but I do miss like the competitive side of things and like you said. We're, with reading that, like you can see that he's, every, you, you still have that. You never lose it. Yeah, was um, but before the uh, before that testimony, like got the the chance to interview Niall Quinn, which to me was just like mad. It was like interviewing God. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't get my words out. It was it was crackers. But I was talking to him about Cookie, and I mentioned the the playoff final against Charlton, the first one where he was consoling Mickey Gray. And then the fact that he did it for Grant Ledbetter twenty odd years later when we lost against Charlton again at Wembley. Um, and his words were, those were only two occasions that you would have seen. He, he says he was just always there behind the scenes for the lads, as you mentioned. Totally. That's what I mean. That just sums sums a man up. Um, but not just him. There's always there's, there's people behind the scenes who who make a football club. Mick Holland used to be the masseur. Um, people probably don't know about him, but you need the banter, you need the crack behind the scenes to keep each other going and... It's characters like that, um, and Cookie and whatever that that make the make the spirit in the change room as much as the players. Um, so yeah, no, Quinny sums it up perfectly. Like I say, that, that'll have been a weekly occurrence. I've had many a chat with Cookie as a young lad. He'll come in if you've had a bad game, keep your head up, son. And it's what you, it's what you need. You need characters like that in the club. Absolutely tough talking to characters. What was Mickey Gray like? Because um, he's a uh... He comes across as, as quite the character. Obviously, he was club captain for a long time as well. Local lad like yourself, did you have a good affinity with him? I did. Do you know, like, obviously, Mickey was in the first team when I was still had my season ticket. Yeah. Uh, Walker Park and what have you. So I always looked up to him. And then I was actually on his boots. So when I, obviously, when you're YTS, you get given, I think it was two or three pros who use boots you look after. Yeah. So, like I say, straight away, hit it off, gotten great with him. He looked after me with me being his boot boy and um, although he was a left back and I ended up being a right back, you, you always like pick things and what you want to um, 
attributes and I used to watch how he'd done things and he was always the fittest at the club, always. Mm. Running. Like I know a lot of people say, Oh, he loved the high life and going out and what have you, but I tell you what, it didn't matter, he was still at the front and I respected that as well. And I think I modelled myself on that. Every club I would say after Sunderland I went to, I was probably the fittest or one of. And mm-hmm. I think for me, it sets the standard. He was the captain of the club after Bali. Um yeah. And you set the tone for the club. So to me, like when I, I, I picked up that from him, um, probably picked up the drinking from him as well. <laughs> <laughs> but like you say, as long as you're uh, putting, putting a shift in and I think people respect that and they don't mind it so much. You mentioned uh, you mentioned Kevin Ball there, but obviously you'd have been at Sunderland when, in his latter days, perhaps when you were coming through. Again, he just comes across as a, a titanic figure at Sunderland and involved for so long afterwards, sadly not involved with the club anymore. I think it's such a shame that he's not part of the club now. Um, like I say, as, as, a, as a player, as a man, as a leader, he epitomises everything that every single Sunderland fan like yourself and me want in, in a Sunderland player. So... 100%. To have him behind the scenes, whether it be, I couldn't care less if it was the under-8s, whether it's the 16s, whether it's the reserves, whatever, in some sort of capacity, teaching people from the experience he's had throughout his career would be so beneficial. Um, Obviously, the things that might have gone on in the past and what have you, but I think life's too short. And for me, if I was part of the club now, you'd be looking at getting back in in any capacity because, yeah, he's just... He epitomises everything that you want in in the club. Hundred percent. I think what would be great is like who who better than Borley to sell Sunderland to to young players coming in that like you know the the French lads or lads from Premier League academies. Who would you want them to talk to as a Sunderland fan to get a flavour? It would be Kevin Ball. It would. And going back to what I said before, how things have maybe changed a little bit. Borley would bring that sort of. Um, Maybe a little bit of respect or, you know, like a bit of grounding for the younger lads um, who maybe get away with a little bit too much nowadays. I think, obviously, they know they're not going to get away with nothing with with Bali. As much as he's an inspiration, as in, he still rings me now and if you need him, he's at the other end of the phone. And the amount of players or ex-players that I speak to, he's like that with all of them. And this is like 20, 30 years on. So... To me, to have that around the young lads at a club would be would be brilliant, and hopefully things change and he does come back in at some point. I think what actually gets lost when we talk about Bowley as well is that like he's a really really good coach by all accounts. I mean, just look at the England team where you've got Pickford and Henderson who both wax lyrical about him. He is so like I went from obviously playing alongside him a little bit when I was trying to break through. When I came back from Notts County, he was the reserve team sort of. I wouldn't say he was the manager, it was Jockey Scott, but he was alongside him. So every day, if we weren't in the first team, we were with Bowley. And yeah. he does, like, people probably think he just get, gets you to go out there and just two foot walls and things or whatever. <laughs> but he's not, like, he's he's really switched on tactically, um, the way he speaks to people, the, his sessions he puts on. Um, nah, to, to me, like, I, I just think it's a shame. I really do. And I'm not the only one, everyone you speak to who knows him or any fan would would say the same i think absolutely well uh, we'll come on to, to modern day matters in a second but so what are you up to now simon in, in terms of your career and, and your, your new ventures you've got going on yeah um well i retired when i was 34 um 
had a couple of years, sort of, well, a few years of just pottering about, and I think you lose your purpose a little bit when you retire. It is a strange time for for anyone, I think. Um, so I struggled with that. Um, but after lockdown, I decided I've always been like we spoke on before. I've always been passionate about fitness. Always have been. Love my fitness. Love helping people. Um, so I started up my own like training facility, training camp, you would call it. Um, just started on the seafront. Uh, just with some friends and I've grown it from there. I'm now based at the Beacon of Light next to the stadium um, do classes every day. And yeah, I, I absolutely love it. There's there's people that come from 14, 15, 16 year olds up to 70 year olds, a mixture of ages, fitness levels. And I just want to make it as friendly as an environment as possible, help people, whether it be even mindset, it's not all just about losing weight, just, I just like helping people in general. So, um, yeah, I'm loving it. It's, some, it's something to get my teeth into. It's hard graft. Like, I'm up at <laughs> four or five, five o'clock every morning. But it's re so rewarding when you see people turning their lives around. I had a look, a look at some of the videos on social media, which looked great. And two things stood out. It was the, um, the, the little lad and his father competing against each other. I thought that was absolutely class. But then I realised it was at six o'clock in the morning as well. So they're out of bed at six o'clock in the morning. And the place was rammed, which is an achievement getting that many people down there at that time. Do you know what? Like the, the two that you're on about, Eddie and his son, Tom, they come every day. Like for his son, I'm sure, I think he's 13 or 14. To have that dedication before school, yeah. come with your dad is incredible. I absolutely love him. Um, but not just him. The six o'clock class in the morning is probably the most popular one. Apart yeah. from Monday night, um, the dedication some people show, like I say, off the, like I do it. It's my job though to to do it and put the classes on. But for people to get off their own, um, to do it off their own back and get out of bed at that time when it's pitch black and in December especially and stuff, it's now nah, that, that gives me all the purpose I need every day. I love it. Absolutely fair play at them. Starts the day off right. Um... We we're talking there about um, before we came on the um, came on the recording, just talking about Wembley and Sheffield Wednesday games and stuff. You actually attend pretty much every game you can these days, don't you? Yeah, I've got three, uh, four seasons. I should say, I've got three girls, three daughters. Mm -hmm. A little bit of a schoolboy here. I bought our season tickets this year in the southwest corner where everyone stands up, and I've got uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> a four-year-old. See now, like, but. Um, no, we, we go to as many games as we can. Um, I don't get to as many away games now as I'd like to because I have a Saturday morning class and a lot of the lads will be leaving on the bus at God knows what time and stuff. So, But yeah, yeah I, I love... My home games have changed dramatically from before when it used to be going with your mates and going on the drink. And now I love taking the girls. I love going to see Samson and Delilah and getting the fours. And no, it's great. I love it. And, and what do you make of the team... Because for me, I'm I'm 28 and I started going in sort of 2004. So I, I can remember Quinn and Phillips being at the club, but I don't really remember the football too much. I've seen, you know, videos and stuff and heard the stories. But for me, this is some of the best football I've seen Sunderland play. I know there was the Gus Poyer era in the Premier League, getting to Wembley and all of that. But I think football's maybe moved on a bit technically since then even. And I think this is some of the, the nicest football I've, I've seen Sunderland play for a long time. I, I wonder what your perspective is on that, given that you were in and around the Quins and the Phillipses. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some bad football. I mean, I started going in <laughs> in uh, 85, I think was my first game. Um, 
and then it was it was like you say that was a good period under Dennis Smith mm. uh, for a spell, but after that, like Terry Butcher, Mick Buxton, a spell under Martin Crosby. Apart from the cup final, there's been some bad times, but I think like you say there, at the minute the football we play is just different class, and I think because it is a young team, they just go out and express themselves. I don't feel looking at them like they don't look as if they feel any pressure. It's like mm. they embrace it, whereas. In times gone by, like, I don't know, even like the Premier League year or whatever, we're signing players who I think the pressure got to them at times. I think playing at Sunderland in front of 30,000, 40,000, uh, a lot of players couldn't handle that. And fair play to some of these young lads because like I said, I've, I've played in front of crowds like that, but not on a regular basis. I mean, I was lucky mm. enough when I was at Motherwell to play at Celtic and Rangers and stuff. And it's trust me, it's not easy when, when you've got that amount of people in there to to go out and express yourself. So to some of these young lads who've only just made, made the debut, to go out and do what they're doing, I think it's a different class. Uh, I think Tony Mowbray seems to be key in that as well. I didn't, obviously I'd followed Tony Mowbray's career, but not all that closely. I didn't realise actually his track record with young players and just how good he is with them. He did it with Harvey Elliott at, at Black, uh, Blackburn and, and Harrison Reed, players like that. And he seems really to have that sort of, and I, I don't want to patronise him or anything, but he seems to have a, a proper fatherly touch as well as being, you know, a good man-manager, motivator, and obviously a decent tactician as well. Do you know, the key for me, I mean, I, must, I don't know how many managers I've played under, like, a lot. <laughs> but the key for me is you need to know how to treat people and get the best out of them to be a good man-manager. Now, you can have all the qualifications you want in the world. I don't care if you've got... A license coming out of your out your backside. You need to be able yeah. to get players on side, get them to want to do well for you, and create a good environment for them day to day. And you can see that from a million miles away that every single player, when they go out there, are wanting to do well for him. And I don't think we've had that at spells before. So to me, he just looks like he, he probably holds his hands up himself. I'm sure I heard him say something before. He's no Pep Guardiola. He's not the best tactician in the world. Well, he's got people around him who who do that part. He's a he's a man motivator. Do you know what I mean? So, to me, I think, like I say, when when he was appointed, I think a lot of us were unsure how it was going to go. Um, yeah. Especially after last season and Alex Neil, everyone was pretty disappointed how that happened. But yeah, yeah, fair play. Like I think, um, what, are we overachieving? I don't know. But what what we're doing is 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 brilliant and. Win, lose or draw, you're actually coming away thinking, do you know what, that was a good match. They give it their all. Yeah, like the yeah. week or other games we've been, yeah, we might not have won, but it's nice to watch, isn't it? It is nice to watch and you can, you can forgive them for a few faults because they are so young, I think, as well. And, you know, the likes of Endongs and Kones and Dillabodges over the years, did they really care? I don't think so. I think this lot, this lot genuinely do care. You mentioned Alex Neil there. I just want to want to pick up on him and Obviously, he went to Stoke, but we had such a good run of run with him towards the back end of the league one season. What was your instant reaction when that news broke? I'm, I'm guessing you know the, the same as the same as the rest of us. Yeah, I think shocked, a bit gutted to be honest, because I felt we had yeah. a bit going for the first time in a few years. Typical Sunderland, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. It's just typical Sunderland. Like when you just think things are going great, something generally happens, doesn't it? So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you get used to it now. Um, but no, I, I was a bit gutted. And like I say, when Tony Mowbray was appointed, I wouldn't say I was ecstatic about that either. But 
I've not heard anybody, like I say, say a bad word about him. I, I think um, the way he speaks in his interviews, he's honest, he's up front. He's from the North East. I know he's from like Burrowway, but he's from the North East. He gets it. He gets what it means to the players and uh, to the to the people up here. And I think going back to the players, if you see the if you see them giving a hundred percent, which they are, then like you say, you don't mind them making mistakes. We've had so many. I'll even call them mercenaries. We have had mercenaries mm -hmm. in the past that are going through the motions or coming here for a payday. And they don't care if we get relegated or whatever. They'll just move on. These lads don't. Or they don't seem to be. They're just giving it their all. And I think that's why the crowds are what they are this season. Um, We're fans are as incredible as always. And we're just getting right behind them. It's class. The, the feeling of the club feels very different under under Louis Dreyfus now from what it did under under Methven and Donald. How did you see that that uh, disastrous part of of Sunderland's you know recent history? It was I mean it started off well, didn't it? But it it didn't didn't really end well, and there was a lot of uh, PR disasters, shall we say? Yeah, that's it. I just I don't know. Like like at the minute, I just oh, let me turn this telly off. There. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Um, to me, like I say, at the minute, it feels as if all the decisions behind um, are just spot on and what, what the people of this area want. Whereas I don't yeah. think Stuart Donald and Charlie Methven really got the area, got how people are. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I don't know. I, I never really uh, talked to them. Yeah, initially it, it was something fresh. And after Ellis Short left, we, we did need a change. But... I think the thing, the way things have panned out, I think it's uh, it's definitely worked for the best. No, absolutely. Uh, we'll round off by talking about uh, transfers, uh, Simon, because um, it's still a hot topic of conversation. Is that striker situation is not obviously Ross Stewart getting injured wasn't ideal. He had Ellis Sims being recalled. Gellhart's come in, looks like a, a decent enough player, but very different to Ross Stewart. What's been your take on the whole thing? And and I guess Christian Speakman as well as a, as a sporting director who. He seems to polarise opinion amongst some Sullen fans. I quite like him. I, I like what he's done, but the striker issue is, well, it's a bit of an issue at the end of the day, isn't it? I think it's just unfortunate how close to the end of the window it happened. Yeah, yeah. Now, if that had been the weekend beforehand, I'd like to have thought we would have got someone in. I think Ellis Sims was the one. If Even if Dai should have been in Everton a little bit earlier, maybe a week earlier, he might have got someone in. And I think the timing had a lot to do with it. Um, I understand what the club are saying. They're not just going to sign someone for the sake of signing it. So I get that. It's got to be the right fit. Um, but it is just a shame. Like, even watching the other night uh, against Fulham, like, having someone like, as, like I say, as a defender, having an outlet. Sometimes when you're under pressure, Ross Stewart was incredible at just holding mm -hmm. the ball, maybe taking a foul, giving us a breather. Not only that, obviously, he could run in behind as well. But, I think that's going to be the only thing at the minute is is having that outlet, someone to to hit um, or get us up the pitch. So I've not seen the new lad yet from Leeds, so looking forward to seeing how he gets on tomorrow. Absolutely. What are your expectations generally for the season now, do you reckon? Because I think with a fit Ross Stewart, you're sort of thinking, nah, we're good. We could maybe sneak the playoffs here. But then again, you never know. We, we might still if, if Geldhard hits the, hits the ground running. Do you know what? Momentum is such a big thing in football and seems like we carried it on from last season. We don't fear anyone and there isn't anybody to fear in this league. Yeah, Burnley mm. came up and were probably the best 
this season and they're going to win the league by the looks of it. Uh, take them out of it. We've we've been as good as, or if not better than the majority that we've come up against this season. So we've got no fears. Why not aim for the playoffs? If we don't hit it, no one expected it before the season came. If we end up finishing mid-table or so, then great. Um, and then, like you say, invest again in the summer and go for it then. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us, mate. I really appreciate it. Do you want to tell everybody just about where they can find the fitness classes, how you get involved if they want to, et cetera, yeah. et cetera? No problem. Yeah, I've got, um, obviously, I've got my own Facebook page. It's SR Functional Fitness. Um, SR Fitness Life is on Instagram. So all the classes currently are based at the Beacon of Light next to the stadium. And probably the middle of next month in March, some of the 6 a.m. classes will be starting to move outside on the seafront. So, well, to be fair, you cannot beat it. When, on a nice morning when in front of the sea training, it's it's great. So, yeah, they'll be starting soon. But, yeah, no, it's all going great. And if anybody wants to come along, more than welcome. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining, mate. Really appreciate it. And uh, thanks to the listener, as ever, for listening. You can find all of our content over at the Sunderland Echo website. And, uh, yeah, once again, cheers. No probs.